I'd like to take a moment and have a real heart-to-heart with you. If you're able right now, place your hand over your heart. Can you feel it? That's your heartbeat telling you that you're alive. It's the same for a preborn baby. Their heart begins to form at conception, and at just three weeks, it's already beating. At five weeks, a baby's heartbeat can be heard on ultrasound. And that's why we've partnered with Preborn, because we need to help these precious babies. Every day, Preborn's networks of clinics rescue 200 babies from abortion. When a mother with an unplanned pregnancy meets her baby on ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, it's a divine encounter. That doubles a baby's chances at life. And by six weeks, the eyes are forming. By 10 weeks, a baby is able to suck his or her own thumb. And for just $28, you could be the difference between life or death of a child. All gifts are tax deductible, and I want you to donate. All you have to do is just dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250, keyword baby. You can also donate securely at preborn.com slash verdict. That's preborn.com slash verdict or pound 250 and say the keyword baby. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. For the first time in probably 1,700 years, Christians around the world will not be permitted to celebrate Easter in public. What is a country founded on religious liberty supposed to do when the government locks the churches? This is Verdict with Ted Cruz. Welcome back to Verdict with Ted Cruz and Happy Easter. I'm Michael Knowles, Senator. Sorry we can't be uh, celebrating today together. We're at a safe social distance. Uh, I think I am not exaggerating here when I say This might be the first time since the Diocletian persecution that Christians have not been able to go to their churches on Easter. Is that an exaggeration? Well, you know, I got to say it is so commonplace to have podcasts talking about the Diocletian persecution. (laughs) I I mean, I mean, it really I'm worried that we're going to run into the traffic online. with that. Uh, (laughs) That's true. The views spike through the roof, right? 
we, you and I have never seen anything like this in our lifetimes. And, and it's, uh, you know, all of us, we're doing everything from home. Yeah. And uh, whether that's church, whether that's work, whether that's uh, time with the family, uh, it has good aspects to it. And it, uh, it also makes pre- people pretty stir crazy. This, I think, is the big issue for people. I, th- I think for a while, people like taking a few days off work. Obviously, that got real old real fast when people lost their jobs. I think people actually, for the first few days of this shutdown, were kind of excited. It was something new. It was dangerous. Maybe we were all going to band together. Again, that kind of got real old real fast. The one thing that I think was always a sticking point was the churches, the government closing yep. down yep. the churches. To my mind, that's unprecedented in the United States. Is that what you're hearing and seeing as well? I mean, is that just a different category? Look, it, it, it's a hard challenge because if you have, as we do, a pandemic, a public health, health outbreak, there is precedent for quarantining laws. There pres- there's precedent for preventing large gatherings. You know, I, I will say it in this time of crisis, you know, people's real character comes out, who they are comes out. And, and I got to say, some of these Democratic politicians are, are just jackbooted thugs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, they're authoritarians. They, they, they believe in the power of the state. So, you know, Bill de Blasio, uh, mayor of New York. Now, listen, New York has got it worse than, than anywhere else yeah. in the country. It, it is horrific. The deaths that have happened there, the infections, people are scared. I get all of that. Uh, but de Blasio said, listen, if any church or synagogue meets, uh, we're going to come after you and we will permanently shut you down. Now, who the hell are you to permanently shut a church or, or synagogue down? And I actually understand saying, okay, you can't have a public gathering. You know, m- what my church is doing, we're meeting virtually. Yeah. I, I think that actually makes makes good sense. But, but you see some of these um, political leaders just eager to strip away liberty, and they seem to have a real real animosity to faith. That's right. Um, if, you, if you look at New York, I mean, it, that's exactly the right example, where it's not de Blasio saying, we're going to shut you down for the whole of this pandemic. You are not going to be allowed back into your building, Pastor, until yep. afterward. But that's not where they stopped it. They actually said, we will permanently mm-hmm. shut you down. And he actually singled out churches and synagogues. He didn't go after any other faith groups. He just went after churches and synagogues. How convenient, you know. Uh, It's not just de Blasio, though. It's going on around the country. And uh, even for the people, I know a lot of conservatives, we want to keep our rights, but we're obviously willing to entertain some quarantine. In Pennsylvania, they arrested a woman for driving her car. Oh, my God! You know, driving your car, you're not violating social distancing. You're sitting in your own damn car. Like, Like, this is not a police state. Right. Not and, yet. And, and, and you're seeing, you know, North Carolina, that they invest, arrested David Benham. David, David and Jason Benham, the Benham brothers, yeah. are friends of mine. They're great guys. Um, so the North Carolina governor, a Democrat, uh, determined that, that elective abortions are essential. And so that abortion clinics could gather, they could all get together. And, and so the, the Benham brothers went outside and, and, and wanted to provide pregnancy counseling, wanted to peacefully— yep. uh, tell moms that were coming in that were considering abortions, you know, there are alternatives. If, if you want to pursue adoption, here are some of the resources available to you. Right. And, and they sent the police to arrest them. And, and, and actually the video, I tweeted out the video. I'd encourage you to watch that video hmm. because, uh, you know, David is, he said, look, we're, we're being peaceful. He's very calm. He's not angry. He's not, they're not harassing anyone. He said, we're six feet away. We're not gathering. We're not violating social distancing. 
But but if if the governor is going to say that that the abortion is essential, that the doctors and all the staff can gather there more than 10 people in public, that, then how can that be <laughs> essential? But yet the counseling of pregnancy alternatives is not equally essential um, to. And, and it's interesting, the officers are arresting him and you can see the officers are reluctant. And, and David, to his credit, he's praising the officers. He said, listen, thank you for your service, particularly now. I mean, yeah. he's polite. He's praising them. And, and it just shows, look, the, the, and I don't want to make this partisan. And if there are, are Republicans doing it, I will happily call them out too. It right. just seems to be it's the Democratic governors and the Democratic mayors that yeah. that in that instance, uh, you know, he's he's hard pro-abortion and hard and anti-pro-life. Yeah. And, and, and so it's not, if you want to say neither of them are essential, fine. That I actually understand that determination, but you can't pick one side and silence those that would try to give Give well, it's so ironic and it totally gives away the game where they say if you gather together to procure an abortion, that will not endanger life. And let me tell you something, abortion 100% of the time endangers life. They say, no, that won't endanger life. But if you go and offer some counseling, you also gather together, that will endanger life. It's so backwards. It's such a power grab. You know, certain states have made exceptions. You, in you know, in Colorado, they arrested a dad for playing t-ball with his kid. Jeez. <laughs> oh, I mean, I mean, that's nutty. I spoke last night to a um, Nevada state legislator who was complaining the Nevada governor has shut down golf courses. Now, now I got to say, Michael, it, it's hard to think of a sport more situated yeah. to social distancing. <laughs> Listen, if you're with it, if you're closer than six feet, you ain't doing it right. right. Like, like you ever like <laughs> I'm all for acting sensibly to protect the public safety. But but there's some that are just eager to put on that jackboot, and, it, and it's scary. Now, what do you make of these different states? I mean, some states, they've been arresting pastors if they try to hold services. Other states have made an exception for religious services. And, and you know, it varies state by state. Luckily, we haven't had one national, one-size-fits-all policy for this. I mean, how is that going to play out uh, even after the pandemic's over? Listen, our, our law has always respected religious liberty. The First Amendment protects religious liberty. I think we should sh should do everything possible to protect people's right of faith. At the same time, I, I think the the responsible thing to do is is to act to protect the community. So, so my church, Heidi and I are members of a First Baptist Church in Houston. It's a big, big church. Um, we've been been going to church virtually online. Our pastor made the very, I think, very sensible decision to say, we're not going to bring people together and have thousands of people in a sanctuary while there's a global pandemic yeah. going on. And, and uh, you, you know, I will say as, as it's Easter, Easter, you know, you Easter Sunday from, for as long as I can remember, we would always go to church on Easter Sunday. That's a, and, and, and celebrate the, the resurrection day of, the year. of Jesus. But it's worth also remembering, you know, for those of us who are Christians, the church is not a building. Hmm. The, the, the church is not bricks or mortar. So I'm, I'm sad not to be there. It's nice to be able to sing and have the music in person. It's nice to be able to, to worship together. But it actually has been beautiful. So what we do every Sunday morning is, is we, we come down come down to the living room and we put, uh, we put the live stream of our church up, up on... Uh, up on the TV. Yep. And and 
Heidi and the girls and I, just the four of us in the living room, and we'll watch and participate. And, you know, we have to kind of drag the girls out of bed. And, you know, it's nice. <laughs> I'll have a cup of coffee. And I'll confess I've done church sometimes in my slippers, which uh, I don't normally do. Ditto. Same here. I'm ashamed to say, but I did. It, but, you know, it's interesting. Number one, I was talking to my pastor earlier this week. He said that 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 the viewership has gone through the roof, that, yeah. that a ton of people are logging on and watching it online who wouldn't necessarily come in person. And, and it is interesting because we're ending up having much longer conversations with our girls yep. about, about the sermon, about what's going on. You know, if you're in church, you don't want to talk, talk in church and bother people. If you're in your living room, you, you can talk to each other and you can say, hey, what do you think about what he just said? And, you know, you can have conversations that flow out of it that, that, that are, you know, what the Bible said is the, is the church is the body of believers, is, is everyone who is a Christian, that we're the church, not the building. Right. Um, right. And, and, and so even though East, Easter Sunday, most of us are not going to be in a physical church, if, if, if we are uh, giving thanks for Jesus' resurrection, then we're celebrating Easter and the church is celebrating. And, and, and I hope also, listen, this is a time, you know, I remember back when Hurricane Harvey hit Texas and, and it was devastating in Texas. It was the second costliest natural disaster in U.S. history. And it was really amazing to see the churches all throughout Texas, especially on the Gulf Coast, coming out and helping people, helping people whose homes right. had been destroyed, who everything they had was lost. And, and it was a time when the church was doing what the church should. The church should be helping people, people in need, people who are scared. People, you know, our church, we've had one, one member, a, a, a woman in her 80s, uh, who died of COVID-19. Hmm. And... and uh, you know the ministry for seniors. It's it's hard for seniors to be isolated, and 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 this is a time I hope and I believe the church is doing more to help people who are scared, who are in need. Even if we yeah. don't gather in person, it's much more important for the church to reflect the love of Jesus than to stand in in one particular building. Right, and I think there's something else going on here too with regard to the pandemic, which is people always think about Easter, but you forget that you don't get Easter without Good Friday. This is a reminder. This whole season yep. of Lent, which by the way has corresponded exactly with the coronavirus pandemic, Lent begins and you get ashes on your head if you're a Catholic or or certain other denominations and they say remember man you are dust, to dust you shall return. And it's very easy in modern life to forget that someday eventually we're all going to die. We might not die from the coronavirus, let's hope, but we will die eventually. And that reminder yep. that, you know, I think it was uh, Dr. Johnson said, hanging concentrates the mind. You know, when you look death straight in the face, it focuses you on yep. the bigger questions. In a way, locking down the churches might have a pretty positive effect on religion in the country. It also brings families together, whether you, whether you like it or not. Look, C Caroline said, you know, I can't stand it. I've been in this house for a month. And yeah. I mean, and she's 11 and I'm like, sweetheart, I know we all have. Yeah. We're, we're like <laughs> ready to jump out the windows. But there have also been, so every day, Heidi and I, we've had, had, had lunch with the girls. We've had dinner with the girls. That's never happened in the <laughs> yeah, whole time we've been a family. We've never had... And, and, and I'll tell you one thing. We've so we've started doing a couple of things. One, we go for walks every evening. Yeah. Um, sometimes family walks. We walk the dog. Sometimes it's just Heidi and me. But like the whole neighborhood is out walking. And, and, and it's like, like central Houston. Now it's, we're six feet apart. We stay, yeah. we stay at a distance. 
but it's like Central Houston became Mayberry. I mean, right. it, it's an amazing thing. But something else we've started doing that that I wanted to do for a long time is is every night we're we're reading from the Bible. Hmm. And and listen, I've wanted to do that regularly, and we've done it sometimes. We've done it sporadically, but not with with real discipline. And part of it is, you know, being in the Senate. Typically, I, I get up Monday mornings, yeah. I fly to D.C., and I'm gone for four days. I come back Thursday night. It's hard as a dad, if you're in town two, three days a week, it's hard to sort of have a family discipline of after dinner, we sit down and read the Bible. Yeah. And and I've, I've been like guilty in thinking about it. We need to do more of it. And so with all this time at home, Heidi and I decided, all right, we're going to do this. And our girls didn't like it. I mean, it was a big battle. It was not, th- this was not mild or easy. And so we started with just Matthew chapter one and uh, reading three chapters a night. I think the first night it took us, I don't know, hour, hour and a half to get through three chapters. Mm. The girls were acting up. It was, it was a bit of a mess, but it's interesting. We've gotten through, I think we're at like Matthew chapter 24 um, so, so we haven't done it that long, but it's been, been each night and, and it has been really, and, and what's interesting is it just so happens we're right now moving into Good Friday and Easter. Like, like just, just the timing worked out. We didn't sit down and plan it like this, huh. but, but, you know, last Sunday was, was Palm Sunday and, and we were, we were reading in Matthew where it talks about Palm Sunday and Jesus riding into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey. And by the way, my pastor says something very interesting that I didn't know. I don't know if you knew. Hmm. Did, did you know that Palm Sunday, the, the, the Sunday before Easter, was the day traditionally in Judaism when they selected uh, the lamb to be sacrificed? I did not know that. I, I had huh. never heard that. Our pastor said that this last Sunday, and I thought that was fascinating because a lot of what we've been talking about with the girls was was the parallel uh, with with Passover and 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 the entire story of Passover, which yeah. we kind of take digressions as we're reading the Bible to say, okay, uh, the people of Israel were in captivity in Egypt and and the ten plagues, and so Catherine sang a song on the ten plagues, like that 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 struck Egypt. Yeah. But but you know we were talking about you know, that for the angel of death to pass over your home, that you had to put the lamb's blood on the side of the door on the top. And, and, and that, 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 that is what Easter is all about, is that Jesus was the lamb sacrificed for us. Yeah. And the Passover lamb, Jesus was that same sacrifice. And that story, having the opportunity to talk about it at this time where, where Easter's at home, right? it, it has made it, I, I think, in many ways more meaningful than being in a big service of with course. a bunch of Of course. You know, this is something that my wife and I have been doing, too, in our little one-bedroom apartment. I think probably my greatest risk of death right now is not any pandemic. It's going to be murder when my wife finally snaps. <laughs> but if, if that doesn't happen, you know, in the meantime, what we've been doing, especially because we're Catholic, so we have certain icons and religious images around. And when we go to church, now the church is at the kitchen table, and we live stream it in from our priest who's down in Southern California, and it's just him on a live stream. Stream, and it really focuses you on these images. So then it's just my wife and I sitting in kitchen uh, chairs. You know, there's no smells and bells. There's no beautiful music going on. It's really just us contemplating some of these images, listening to these words, listening to these prayers. And, uh, you know, it does remind you when Jesus says, when you pray— 
go into your innermost closet, you know, do it in solitude and, and really make it about that connection to God. And it just gives you another sense when you go and pray the rosary at night and it's just the two of you and everybody's quiet, no one's outside. In a way, yep. it, it really amplifies uh, your, your prayer and your, your spiritual connection to God, even when you can't go into your own church. Well, and, and, and I'll say this, this also cuts across faith. So some good friends of ours who are, who are neighbors, who, who are Jewish, and, and, and they celebrated this week their uh, Passover Seder, which, which ordinarily they would do with the whole extended family. Yeah. And, and they were telling me, okay, so we're just doing it with, you know, mom and dad, and they have a, a daughter who's really close friends with Caroline, and they have a son who's a little bit younger. And they said what they're doing is just they're FaceTiming. Uh, on, I think, iPads with their extended family. So with parents and sisters, you know, they're not, yep. uh, you know, most of us are not seeing our parents. My dad's 81, my mom's 85. Yeah, I haven't here. seen either one of them in over a month because I'm not going to jeopardize their health. Um, but it is interesting, even a Passover Seder, you know, I've been to a lot, lot of Seders and they're wonderful and fun, but you think of them as, you know, big groups of multi-generational extended family and with technology, you can even do that if it's just a few of you and you're trying to, to socially distance, you can still you can still have a, a, a wonderful faith and family experience together. Um, and, and, and I suspect we'll look back at these. It wouldn't surprise me if when our girls are grown, they look back to this time <laughs> of spending day after day and week after week together as a family, I, as some of their favorite time ever. Now, they wouldn't admit that now. <laughs> right. Who, who but, would? Right. But it, uh, it, it, it is, uh, you know, Caroline is in our front yard right now building a little bit of a treehouse and a tree and, you know, coming and pulling me out of, I'm on conference calls with, with work and doing all just, I'm in the middle of what basically a teletour across Texas, yeah. like meeting, talking with all different communities. But like Caroline comes comes yesterday and says, you know, Dad, we need your help to cut the lumber. I'm I'm not very handy, <laughs> but but thankfully I have told her, okay, no power tools. As an 11 year old, I don't want severed digits, so I got the jig jigsaw and managed to cut the board without, in fact, severing any of my digits. So that was good. <laughs> That's but a it's, positive. It's kind of right in the middle of the day. It's like like. Come to the garage and and let's cut lumber to build the treehouse. There's something really nice about that, and I've I've noticed the same thing as you mentioned uh, with your friends in the Passover Seder. People, family members, old friends that I have not called in a long time. Now we're just doing calls because that's what people are doing. I mean, yep. it's and and speaking of connecting with people virtually, I know we've only got a few minutes left, but I do want to get to some of the mailbag because we've got some very important sure. questions here. Probably this is the most important one that I've read in weeks, Senator. This is from Amber. Does Ted think Joe Exotic should be pardoned? I'm serious. I want his opinion. Michael can answer too. Senator, what's your answer? <laughs> well, I will say I, I cracked up laughing that this week uh, at the White House press conference, they asked if Joe Exotic should be, <laughs> should be pardoned. And, and, and President Trump, I'm not sure he knew what was going on, but said, yeah, yeah, we'll have to look at that. And then that, that, was, uh, that, that was pretty darn funny. You know, I, I've got a pet theory. Yeah. That, 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 that the prospect of Joe Exotic being pardoned is why Obama delayed endorsing Joe Biden. <laughs> because, you know, look, I, I, apparently Joe Exotic ran for president in 2016 against, mm -hmm. against me. I didn't know it at the time against Trump. <laughs> so who knows? Maybe Joe Exotic's on the ballot in 2020 and Obama's holding the, the endorsement back 
uh, waiting for the Tiger King endorsement. This is the most brilliant political insight I have seen in so long. I am now, I I don't know my feelings on Joe Exotic getting a pardon other than I endorse Barack Obama endorsing Joe Exotic. So I guess that means we got to spring him from the slammer. A very good point, Senator. Next question from Peter. Is there any evidence that China purposely delayed and lied in their report in order to tank the world economy, considering that theirs was already in shambles? So that's an interesting question. There is absolutely evidence that China purposely delayed and, and that they covered right. up, that, that, that when the Wuhan outbreak was, was ongoing, that, that, that they hid evidence of it, that they punished the scientists who were trying to blow the whistle, including the 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 doctor who, who courageously did it anyway and has since died of COVID-19. Um, you know, I, I'm not aware of any evidence that they did it with the intent of tanking the global economy. Yeah. I, I think that's probably a stretch. Um, although when it comes to ascribing malign intentions to the Chinese <laughs> communist, you almost can't stretch too much. There's no limit. But, you know, I had an old, I had an old boss who was a federal judge who, who used to say, Never attribute to malice mm-hmm. what you can attribute to incompetence. And, and, and listen, I think the Chinese covered it up because they were embarrassed, because they didn't want people to know. Um, I think there's a very real possibility that, that, that this outbreak occurred from, from some sort of accidental transmission. There were two, uh, two facilities within miles of the Wuhan wet market where, where we think this started, that we're studying coronaviruses in bats. Yeah. And, and um, I haven't seen any evidence that this was, look, there's some internet theories that this was manufactured and is like b- bioterrorism. I, you know, look, I'm skeptical that the Chinese government would release a, a virus on their own people. We've seen tyrannical governments yeah. torture and murder their people, but, but doing it deliberately, I've seen no evidence of that. What strikes me as entirely plausible is that it was a screw up from one of the labs that 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 may have been studying this virus. As I said, we know they were studying coronaviruses right. from bats, and then the whole cover up was to to hide their embarrassment, yeah. to hide their in- and the reason that matters is if they hadn't covered it up, we could have gone in, we could have contained this outbreak, maybe. And, and found the people who were infected and isolated them and, and did the contact tracing and, and potentially stopped this outbreak from becoming an epidemic and then a pandemic. That if you stop it at the origin, it, it is entirely possible that, 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 that the deaths worldwide and the trillions of dollars of economic destruction could have been covered up if the Chinese had, it could have been stopped if the Chinese hadn't engaged in this cover-up. All right, final question. This is maybe the most important one of all. What are you eating on Easter and who is doing the cooking? You know, it's funny. I don't know. So yesterday, <laughs> Heidi and I were taking our walk and, 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 and Heidi's like, all right, what do we want to do for Easter? And I'm like, well, what do you mean? What do you want to do for Easter? And she's like, well, no, we need to like do something for Easter. I'm like, did your family do like big Easter things? And, and like, I got to admit my family, like we would go to church yeah, and then we just come home and hang out as a family. It was a Sunday. I mean, we didn't like, it wasn't a... Put on the like, suit and tie you know, and formal. We, and right. It was, I mean, it, it was not, and we, we had this big discussion because Heidi kept asking me, well, no, no, what do we want to do? And I'm like, well, what do you mean do? Like, same thing we do. And she's like, all right, how about an Easter egg hunt? 
I'm like, okay, if we've done those for our girls. And, and I think Catherine, who's nine, she's more into it than Caroline, is probably a little too cool for an Easter egg hunt. But I'm like, sure, if you want to get some plastic eggs and put candy or, or money in them and put them in the backyard, we can do that. But um, so I don't know what we're going to eat. That's the short <laughs> answer. We'll probably, Heidi and I are terrible cooks. Yeah. Um, although Caroline has begun, begun cooking at home. So we haven't really? figured it out as the short answer. I think we'll do a nicer, nicer meal than just cold pizza. Right. Um, but, but I, I don't know what it'll be and, and maybe we'll order out. It's literally Heidi is pressing me saying we need to have a big sort of Easter meal. You know, most Easter's I would have done like gone to church and then like gone and taken my mom out to dinner or something and yeah. done like a brunch, uh, at a restaurant. So we're obviously not going to do that. Right, so that's out. You could always have the mimosas, but you got to do it at home. You know, it's funny because I think what most people are going to do is more like what you did growing up, which is it'll be the first Easter in the pajamas. And frankly, that doesn't sound so bad. Nice time to spend with family. Uh, Obviously, Senator, happy Easter to you and happy Easter to everybody else who is listening. I'm Michael Knowles. This is Verdict with Ted Cruz. This episode of Verdict with Ted Cruz is being brought to you by Jobs, Freedom, and Security Pack, a political action committee dedicated to supporting conservative causes, organizations, and candidates across the country. In 2022, Jobs, Freedom, and Security Pack plans to donate to conservative candidates running for Congress and help the Republican Party across the nation. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You may know Jackson Pollock, the painter famous for his iconic drip paintings. But what do you know about his wife, artist Lee Krasner? On Death of an Artist, Krasner and Pollock, the story of the artist who reset the market for American abstract painting, just maybe not the one you're thinking of. Listen to Death of an Artist, Krasner and Pollock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts.